morning. Uh, I'm believing that you guys are yelling that back at your screen this morning. I've heard, I don't have Facebook, so I've just kind of heard from other people that some of you guys are typing that. So maybe that's your response today. Just put that in, send that out into the world, right? Like, good morning. We're so glad that you guys are meeting with us today. So thankful God has given us the ability just to, even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, right, we can still come and we can still worship and lift up the name of Jesus. And I believe today that he's doing more uh, than we can imagine right now in these moments that God is working in in power all over this world. Um, and, And I believe that today in Jesus' name because God is a big God and he does amazing things. So, man, thank God for technology, right? I was talking to somebody earlier today, and if this would have happened 20 years ago, man, we would not be able to do this, right? It would not be a possibility for us, but thank God uh, today is the day, right? Like this is the day the Lord has made, right? Even today in the pandemic, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice today and be glad in it. So man, so thankful you guys are joining us. If you haven't already started a watch party, just do that because man, we want people uh, to hear the gospel today. It's not about some numbers or people that are clicking a link, but I believe that God's working miracles in these moments. And I just want to make that available to as many people as possible today. So man, so thankful you guys are with us today. I know it's maybe different or maybe it's the new normal, right? Three weeks of this now, maybe this is the, this is the normal thing, but man, it's still weird for me. It's weird to, to walk in this place and not have you guys with us to, to not have, you know, greeters and parkers out there and people to greet us in the hallway. I miss powdered donuts. Like I, I'm going to take advantage of that when you guys are back. Uh, coffee, right? Like, man, who knew we had to get going without coffee this morning, but man, so uh, so miss you guys, and I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you that God's moving in these moments, that he's not forgotten you, that you may feel alone, but you are not alone, and God is working miracles in these moments in these days, and we just need to lean in and press into him. And, uh, man, I hope to see you guys back sooner than later. I've been praying, right, like God shut this thing down because I miss my people, right? Like I want to hug you guys. I'm a hugger. This has been a weird social distancing. is weird for me. I don't know how to do that very well, but man, I just want uh, God to move in these moments, and I'm thankful that you guys are with us. So I love you guys. Um, Man, so excited about this word today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today, so if you have your Bible, you can flip there. If you don't, it'll probably be on the wall behind me. I don't know if you guys can see the wall behind me, but if you can, then it'll be back there. And if not, maybe just grab a Bible. Uh, If not, I'm going to read it to you. So it's going to be okay. But so excited about this word this morning. Normally by now, like in the season going towards Easter, uh, we're like way deep into the gospel messages of Jesus. We've been kind of at this point in time, usually in the last 24 hours of Jesus's life for a couple weeks. And uh, this year, God had other plans. We've been talking about other things. But this morning, um, this message has been on my heart for a couple weeks. and, And I believe it's so relevant to where we are today, but it's also such an amazing part of the story of God. And I just love how God interconnects those things that before we ever knew we were going here, God knew we were going here. And and, and he's woven kind of the past few weeks on, on Friday, I guess, nights when you guys see the Bible study and even in the messages towards towards this point that that in, the, in this moments where everything's not okay, where everything's falling apart, that God is working and he's doing something. And, and largely that something is he's shaping us in these moments into who would have us to be. And I love how he's woven that in today to the story of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 22. So if you guys are with me, we're going to be talking about a little uh, section of verses where it says Peter's denial is predicted at the top of mind. I don't know what yours says. It starts about verse 
uh, 31. So uh, maybe if you've got it, you can kind of go ahead and get there. But at this point in the story of Jesus, he's probably somewhere between uh, 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock p.m. on the night before he was going to be crucified. The next morning, at this point in time, Jesus has already had the last supper with his disciples. He's already sat down to eat that meal. And as he sat down to eat that meal, Jesus knew he was going to the cross, that he was in just a few hours going to be killed, that he was going to be pierced with nails and hung on a piece of wood and lifted up in front of the whole world. And that was the weight that he sat under as he sat down to that meal with these guys. And even in that, we see that Jesus washed the disciples' feet, that he, he took this Passover meal and he, and he went through this routine that he normally would go through, but it was a little different this year. As he took the bread, he held it out, and as he ripped it apart, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. At that point in time, Jesus was saying, I'm going to the cross, and my body is about to be broken. And I wonder, like, as he, as he ripped that apart, if, if he if he felt maybe what he was headed towards. He was trying to get this across to the disciples. I'm going to be killed here in just a little while. He took this cup that they'd done over and over and over again, but he said this weird thing as he took this cup. He said, this is the New Testament or the new covenant in my blood. Let's drink. And then you can imagine as he sat around, he sat around the table and he began to, to say these things, maybe it was this awkward moment for the disciples. What is he doing? This is not the script. This is not the way. This is not how it's supposed to happen. But the truth is, it was the way it was supposed to happen. That even when we're confused, even when we don't understand, that God's always moving us to a place. He's always doing something. And he takes this bread and this juice and he does this thing so different than ever before. And that kind of brings us towards where we're headed today. We see that in these moments that that Judas had already made up his mind to betray Jesus. He had already sold him for the silver, and he was actually wearing it as he was sitting at the table that night. He knew what he was going to do, and Jesus knew what he was going to do. He said, hey, one of you guys at this table is going to betray me. And Judas gets up from the table, and he leaves. And then there's this moment right before Jesus is about to go to the garden and pray this prayer before he goes to the cross that Jesus has this conversation with Peter, and that's what I want to focus on with you guys this morning. In verse 31, he starts off and he says, Simon, Simon. Now, maybe if you're new to the game here, you're like, I thought we were talking to Peter. Well, Peter's birth name is actually Simon. It's a name that he was called up until actually uh, he was the first disciple to profess Jesus as the Messiah. And in that moment, Jesus changed his name. We see that he did the same thing with Levi, a tax collector uh, who was viewed as one of the worst sinners. And Jesus walked in his office one day and he said, follow me. And not only did Jesus change his profession in his life, he just changed his name. And that's what happened to Peter. He started calling him Peter. And the, the name Peter means rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock or upon this profession of faith, I will build my church upon this idea that I am the Messiah, I am the chosen one, that I'm the one God sent to save the world, I will will build my church. And he started calling him Peter from that point on. So when Jesus speaks to him in verse 31 and he says, Simon, Simon, that's probably a name that he hasn't heard in quite some time. Now, what is Jesus doing here? Well, when Jesus is speaking and he repeats himself, the reason for this is he's always trying to get our attention. Jesus is very, uh, um, he's, he's very pointed with his words. He always knows what he's saying, and he's very, he's very well thought. He knows what he's, where he's going. And he's, he says, Simon, Simon, what he's saying here is, hey, I need your attention. Simon, hey, yeah, you, Simon, I need you to look up here for a minute. I'm about to tell you something very important. 
Now, take that, Jesus repeating himself with, with the shock of probably hearing this name that he hasn't heard in a really long time. He's used to Jesus calling him Peter. It's like the pet name, right? Like, that's my nickname. That's what I want to be called. That's how I know we're friends. That's how I know you love me. And, and here, Jesus reverts back to his old name. Simon, Simon, he's like, hey, pay attention to me. I need you to realize something. I need you to focus for a minute. Simon, hey, do I have your attention? Simon, and as he hears this old name, it would have pulled him even closer into eye contact with Jesus. Why are you calling me that? Why are you calling me that? That represents a lot, doesn't it? It represents his old man, the old him. It represents the him before he saw Jesus as who he really was. And, and Jesus pulls him back to that moment to get his attention. You can imagine like it kind of probably cut like a knife a little bit. I really, really, really need you to focus on what I'm about to say. I need you to know what I'm about to say. I need you to, I need you to lock eyes with me right now because what I'm about to say is so important, Simon. I need you to listen, Simon. I need you to know what's going on, Simon. And he says, Simon, Simon, Look out. These words of warning. Look out. Now, if you were to be walking down the street and somebody yells, look out, right? You're automatically, what? You're like, what's happening? Well, what's, what's happening? Because you're probably like, I'm about to get hit by a car. This thing's about to fall on me. Or I'm about to get tackled. It's a word of warning. Anytime we hear look out, we know something bad is probably going to happen. And we're trying to be prevented from that by somebody saying look out. And Jesus here is trying to get his attention and then get him to focus because something dangerous is about to happen. He is about to go through something dangerous. So he says, look out. He begins to explain what he's looking out for. He looks at him and he says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Here's what you're watching out for. Simon, I need you to focus. I need you to look at me. I need you to know what's about to happen. I need you to internalize this. I need, I need your attention. You have to watch out. You have to know what's coming. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, we don't sift wheat, probably many of us, and we don't know what that is, but it's this process of violently shaking wheat to separate it from the chaff or the unusable parts, the useless parts. It could be done by actually physically shaking it, or they could take the wheat stalks and they could bang them uh, violently against the ground to break them up, or it could be used to put them in this thing called the threshing floor, which they'd probably be familiar with, and this ox would come over and he would drag this thing called a threshing sledge over it, and what it would do is it would grind or break down uh, these pieces, this wheat from this chaff, and then they would take all of this mixture and they would throw it up in the air, And what fell back down would be the useful things, the wheat, and what was blown away in the wind would be the chaff. And and, and we don't know that, but as he heard that, he would have had this image of what was about to happen to him. Simon, hey, I need you to watch out because Satan has desired, he asked for, he wants to, and he asked permission to violently shake your life. He wants to take you and he wants to shake you and he wants to, he wants to beat you and he wants to take your world and he wants to turn it upside down. He wants to cause harm to you. He wants to do things to you that are like unimaginable right now. And he has asked permission to do that. Now, can you imagine hearing that as Jesus was saying this? Satan has desired to destroy you, basically. Satan has desired to to mess up your life. Satan has desired to take you and shake you and take your whole world and turn it upside down. Look, imagine that. 
Imagine hearing that and knowing that. Imagine this is what's about to happen to you. And this is what Jesus says to him. And maybe some of you can relate to that because maybe for some of you, this is your reality right now, or it has been your reality, or maybe it will be your reality. You feel like your world has just been upended, like everything that has happened uh, in, in, in maybe this situation or other situations has, has really started to shake the foundation of who you are and, and what your life has been built on. And this is the moment that, that Peter here, Simon here, is sitting in. But I love what he says, right? Like we get that he's going to shake him and he wants to do that, but he had to ask to do that. Isn't that amazing? Jesus looks at him and he's like, Satan has asked to sift you. In other words, Satan, this raving, roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, who wants to destroy me and you and everybody else, this Satan, this bad guy, ultimate evil, right? Like this guy has desired to shake him and destroy his life. But before he could do that, he had to go and ask permission from God. I think sometimes we think of God and Satan like in this cosmic arm wrestling match where we're like, we're hoping that God just kind of barely wins out in the end. Like if we pray enough or we ask enough or we seek enough that God may get the strength somehow from our faith that he somehow defeats Satan and destroys the enemy and he'll edge it out in the end. And that's just not true. See, the reality of it is, uh, as Martin Luther says, even the devil is God's devil. That today, God is completely in charge. He's completely in control. The, the enemy, Satan, he doesn't have really any power except what power has been given to him. He's not in charge. He's not kind of in charge. He's not any of that stuff. He's still under the power and the control of a God who's in the power and, and control today. And I just want to say that to you today because maybe you feel like your world's ending and, and you're getting towards the end. And I want you to know today, God is for you. He loves you. He's not against you. And he today is in charge. And the enemy can't do anything today that God doesn't allow. And with permission comes purpose. God will never give permission if there's no purpose. And I love that truth today. God's not going to allow the enemy to take you and shake you without doing something on the other side of that, right? He writes it this way in Romans 8. All things work together for the good of those that love him. Not all things are good. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to go through trial. We're all going to go through heartache and hardship. We're all going to go through that, and we're going to see those things. But God doesn't waste those things. With permission comes purpose. And he looks at him, and he says, hey, hey, Simon, Simon, I need you to focus. I need you to look out. Something is coming down the pike, man. You're about to be shaken. You're about to be taken and tossed up in the air. You're about to be, like, violently beaten. Your life is going to feel like everything is flipped upside down, and you're going to feel like everything's falling apart. But I want you to know that's what he wants to do, but he had to ask. And if he had to ask and God grants it, there's always a reason for these things. So he says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He wants to take you and he wants to throw you up in the air and he wants to really do as much harm as he can to you. But look what Jesus says in 32. He says, but I have prayed for you. Jesus looks at him and he says, I have prayed for you. Oh yeah, Satan, he wants to take you and he wants to shake you and he wants to destroy you and he wants to upend your life and uproot your life. He wants to do as much damage as possible. But I need you to know today, I have prayed for you. 
Now, that's amazing truth today because in Romans 8, we also see that today Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That just like Jesus has prayed for Peter or Simon, he today is praying for us. Like Satan wants to do this to all of us today. It's a message to Peter, but it's a message to all of us. He wants to destroy everything about us. He wants to take us and he wants to kill us. It says in the word of God that he is a raging, roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's just looking for people today to kill. But he can't kill anybody today without permission, and God never grants permission without purpose. And I want you to know today, you may feel like you're walking through the fire or walking through the flood or backed up to a sea today. You may feel like everything's crumbling and falling apart today, and I'm praying for you. But even greater than that, Romans 8 says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father today praying for you. So whatever you're going through, Jesus is praying for you. And if anybody can get a prayer through to the Father, it's the guy sitting at his right hand. Jesus is praying for us today, just like you. He was praying for Peter today, and he looks at him in 32, and I want you to hear this over your life today. I have prayed for you. That I love what he says here. Look what he prays. I pray that your faith will not fail. Now hold up, because that's not what we want Jesus to be praying today, is it? We're going through a storm. What do we want Jesus to pray? The storm stops. We're going to be shaken. What do we want Jesus to pray today? That they'll stop the shaking. We're going through the fire today. What do we want Jesus to pray today? That we'll stop the fire. We always want God to take the struggle away and the trial away and the heartache away and the hardship away. But I want you to know today, there's never permission without purpose. If you're walking through fire today, there's a reason you're going through the fire today. If you're in the shaking today, there's a reason you're in the shaking today. If you're in the heartache today, there's a reason you're in the heartache today. And Jesus could, yes, pray for all that to be done. And maybe he will, right? We get these stories where Jesus is on the boat and he's asleep and they wake him up and they're like, hey, there's a storm we're all going to die. Don't you care that we're all going to die? And Jesus walks to the edge of the boat and he speaks to the storm and he says, be still. And guess what it does? It's amazing. And he still does that today. And I believe there are people listening to this today who are walking through the fire and you're going to cry out to God. and You're going to say, hey, I need you to stop the fire today. And he may do that. But I want you to know today, he may also choose to not do that. Right? Like God may shut down the storm today, or he may let you walk through it today, but he won't let you walk through it alone. Because if there is permission, there is purpose. God never grants permission to the enemy to do anything in our lives if God is not going to do something through it. That's Romans 8 in a nutshell, right? All things work together for the good of those that love him. Storms work together for good sometimes in the hands of God, right? Fire works together for the good in the hands of God. All these things, the shaking, the my life's turned upside down that my home's falling apart, my family's falling apart. All those things in the hand of God always come out for our good and his glory because our God loves us and he is for us and he is not against us and he's always moving. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, he's always moving. And he looks at Peter and he says, hey, this is what I'm praying. I just want to let you in on the secret today. I'm not praying today that Satan doesn't shake you. I'm not praying today that he doesn't turn your life upside down. I'm not praying today that you don't walk through it. I'm not praying today that it's not hard. I'm not praying today that you won't struggle. I'm not praying today that you won't go through trials and heartache. I'm not praying any of that. But I am praying today as you walk through it, you will not lose your faith. 
I'm praying today as you walk through it, you won't walk away. I'm praying today that as you go through the thick of it, you won't turn your eyes from me. I'm praying today that when everything is falling apart, you have something stable today. And it's a rock that's greater than Peter. It's Jesus. And I'm praying that you hold on. So he says, I've, I've, Satan's asked to sift you. He's asked to destroy you. He's asked to uproot your life and flip it on end. He's asked all those things. But I've prayed for you. I pray that you won't leave. When it gets hard, that you won't leave. Then he says this. I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And then he says this. And and you, looking at Peter here. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, why does he say that? When you have turned back. It's like a guarantee here today that Jesus has seen before Peter ever does anything. Jesus has seen him walk away. Jesus has seen him deny him. See, what we need to know today and what Jesus knew today is Peter was about to screw it up. Peter was about to go through the hardest thing that he has ever experienced in his life, and he was going to screw it up. See, at this point in time, Jesus is just a few hours from the cross, and Peter was about to see about midnight Jesus be arrested. He was going to see him taken in and tried before the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. He was going to watch all that go down. He was going to watch him be beaten and mocked. He was going to see all that. He was going to see as he was hit with this cat of nine tails and the flesh was ripped away from Jesus' body. He was going to see that. He was going to see as he stood before Pilate and Pilate said, okay, we'll crucify him. He was going to see that. He was going to see him be nailed to a cross. He was going to see him hung in front of the whole world naked. He was going to see that. He was going to see as he was beaten beyond the point of recognition and he was bleeding to death on this tree. He was going to see all that. He was going to see as Jesus took his last breath as he suffocated to death on his own blood. He was going to see all that. He was going to see as they took this lifeless body down off the cross after Jesus was murdered. He was going to see as they carried him to the tomb, as they wrapped him in the grave clothes, as they put him in the tomb and they rolled the stone in front of the door. Peter was about to watch all this go down. He was not only about to lose his best friend, he was about to lose everything he had believed for the past three years. And in all that, not only was he about to lose those things, he was going to wear the shame of at the moment Jesus needed him in this trial, he was going to deny him three times. He was going to know that when my friend needed me, I turned my back on my friend. Can you imagine that? As he sat down that night after they'd put Jesus in the tomb, can you imagine the feelings and the struggle that he had inside of him? Not just, I turned my back on my friend, not just the shame of that and the guilt of that, but also these thoughts like, how can this be the plan of God? Maybe you've thought that, maybe you've asked that. How can this be the plan of God? How can what I'm going through right now be the plan of God? Maybe even question like, what kind of God would allow this to happen? These thoughts were going to be bouncing around in him. He he was going to wonder, if this was the Messiah, then how did he die? Maybe I had it wrong. Maybe he wasn't the Savior. Maybe he wasn't who I thought he was. He was going to wonder these things. He 
And Jesus knew all that. He knew what he was about to go through. This is the part maybe of Peter's story that he would like to erase. And you wonder when Jesus started out with Simon, Simon, if he knew, man, there's still a lot of chaff in your life. I know that you believe in me and I know that you are are this new man, but there's still a lot of old man in there. There's still a lot of conflict and struggle in there. There's still, there's still the old you in there. There's still sin or shame in there. He, he knew this about him, just like he knows that about us today. But listen to the invitation. When you come back. Jesus, even knowing that, knowing what was about to happen, knowing that he was about to go to the cross and his friend was going to turn his back on him, knowing that Peter was going to sit alone at night and wonder if he'd missed it, if this wasn't really the Messiah, if he'd been, if he'd been tricked or fooled into believing this, knowing there was this temptation in this moment for Peter to walk away, Jesus still extends this invitation, you can come back. Knowing that he was going to screw it up, that in the moment that he was tested, he was going to fail the test. Jesus still looks at him and he's like, you can come back. That's an invitation for everybody today. I just want to say to you today, you've screwed it up just like I've screwed it up. You've thought about walking away or maybe have walked away just like at times I've thought about walking away. And maybe not physically turn my back on God, but spiritually I've done it over and over and over again. And some of you can relate to that. And I want you to know today, no matter how bad you jacked it up, no matter how bad you, you messed it up, no matter how many times you didn't come through, there's an invitation on the table for everyone today, and it's you can come back. We started out this year with what? This could be the year of the comeback, right? This is the year where anybody and everybody can come back. God wants to say to you today and every single day, I know you're going to mess it up. I know you have messed it up. I know you're not perfect. That's why I came. You can come back. And for every Everybody listening today, no matter what's been going through your head, no matter what's been going on in your heart, no matter where you've been or who you are, you can come back. How do you know that? Because Jesus came and died so we could come back. As Jesus was about to go to the cross and Peter was going to have this conflict of whether I'm leaving or not, Jesus was dying so he would have this invitation to come back. And every single one of us today through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ can always turn right back around and come right back to the God who's been waiting on us. And I want you to know that today. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are and neither does God. You have a way back in Jesus Christ today. He came and he lived a perfect life because you could never live a perfect life. And today he's standing there and he's saying, you want to trade? I'll take your sin. I'll take your shame. I'll take your guilt. I'll take your mess ups. I'll take your mistakes. I'll take every single one of those things about you. I'll take it all on myself, just like I took the wrath of God on myself for you. And you can have my perfection. You can come back today because Jesus came down today. It's that simple. For some of us today, we've been struggling in, in all these things, all these emotions, and we've been wondering, God, why would you let this happen? And I want you to know today, if he's given permission, there is a purpose. He's heard every single thought you've thought. He knows that you've questioned if there is a God, if he's a good God, if he's there. And even in all that, he's still saying, you can come back today. You can come back today.
For some of you listening today, you're like, I don't even know this Jesus. I just clicked on a link today, or maybe you've heard about it, but you never give your life to him. I want you to know today, you can come today too. This invitation's for everybody, how to, how to know that. What, what does God say in John 3, 16? God loved the world. That's you, that's me. So much that he gave his one and only son, he gave Jesus so that anybody, whosoever, right, would believe in him, wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. What does that say? That says you can come today. If God's calling you today, if he's speaking to you today, you can come today. It's really simple. Hey, we're all sinners. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. We've all screwed it up. We can point at Peter. We can point at some of these other guys through the Bible. We've all screwed it up. You screwed it up. I've screwed it up. There's nobody perfect. There's nobody even good. And like, I think sometimes we look at moral people and we're like, they're good people. Surely God will make provision for them. But the truth of it is, our morality is not God's standard. God is our standard. And he's perfect. He's never screwed it up. He's never messed it up. And if you're not God, you're not good. But the amazing thing today is he came down to do some exchange with us, to take all of our sin. That's what he did on the cross. As he took those nails and he hung there, he, he was making a way for us to take our sin and our shame and our guilt on himself. He was crushed, and it says that it pleased God to crush him, to be able to exchange his righteousness for our sin. And today we have a way in Jesus, and that way looks really simple. It's like this. Hey, God, I'm a sinner. There has to be this admittance of guilt. We are guilty. We have no defense today. We can't stand before God today and say, but I didn't cuss too much, or I gave money to the church every once in a while, or I've tried to be a moral person. Your sin killed God just like my sin killed God. A little bit of morality is never going to make up for that. And we all have to come to that truth today. You know what? I've screwed it up, God. I'm, I'm a sinner. I've messed it up. I've, I've, I've messed it up. It doesn't matter what that looks like today. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Sin is sin. My sin is the same as your sin. We all struggle. And we just admit today to God, hey, I'm a sinner. I can't do it on my own. I can't be good enough. I can't get to heaven on my own. I, I can't do anything. And then we believe today that Jesus was enough. That as he died, he, he paid the price for me and he was valuable enough to pay it in full. That there's no work left for me to do when Jesus said it is finished, that it was completely finished. And I trust in the finished work of Christ. I'm not working for salvation because God has already done all the work. And that's why today he's seated at the right hand of the Father because it is finished today. There's nothing left to be done. I believe that Jesus, you stepped down at heaven to die for me, that you are enough, and that if I, I believe in you and I trust in you, that, that I can have a relationship with God. And that's what I want more than anything today. God, I want you. I'm not worthy of it, but I do have a way in Jesus. And if you'll cry out to him today, I believe that God will save you. It's, it's really simple. You don't have to say some special formula or some special prayer. It's just, God, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I believe, Jesus, today that you've come to do that for me. And I want you. I want you. I want you. So save me. I give you my life. I believe God is moving right now in these moments that he's awakening hearts. He's changing people's eternities in this moment in Jesus' name. 
And I want all of you to know today, no matter what you've done, God still has a use for you. He's still doing something and he can still do something. If you're eight years old or 80 years old in the hands of Jesus, your life can be valuable today. He looks at him. He looks at Peter, Simon, who screwed it up, who, who's about to mess it all up. And he, he looks at him and he says, hey, you can come back. But when you come back, I have a job for you. God has a job for all of us today. There's something for all of us to do in the kingdom of God today. There's no second class citizens in the kingdom of God today. God loves you and you're useful and he has a plan for your life. And I believe that. He looks at him and he he goes through a couple more things. And I just want to read him really quick to you. Peter answers back and he says, Lord, he told him, I'm, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Now, Jesus knew this was not true, but I think Peter really believed this. And he looks back at him and he calls out what he sees inside of him. And he says, I tell you, Peter. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you've denied me three times. He calls out, before he ever goes through the fire, he calls out what he sees inside of him. Oh yeah, I know I'm speaking to Simon right now. I know that this guy is a lot of the old you and there's a lot of chaff in there and there's a lot of useless things in your life right now and we're about to take care of those. But I want you to know, here's why I'm giving permission today because there's a purpose today. I'm trying to get you from Simon, the old man, the old you, this person marred in sin and shame and guilt. I'm trying to get you to this person that can't really make an impact and a difference in the world and the kingdom of God. I'm trying to get you from there to what I'm seeing in you right now. What I see in you is Peter, this rock, this person that can can go into the world and be the hands and the feet and the kingdom of God to the people around him. I see that in you today and I'm calling it out today. I'm saying it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be hard and you're going to go through trial and you're going to go through all these different things and you're going to wonder, God, what are you doing? But I want to call out right now what I see in you. There is something in you that is beautiful and valuable in the kingdom of God. And I believe he's saying that to some of us right now today, even as we listen to this, God's calling it out. And he's like, I see it in your heart today. I know you're struggling today, but I see there's something in you today. And the reason we're walking through fire today is I'm purifying something in you today. The reason that you feel like you're beaten today is I'm getting ready to blow away the chaff today. The reason you feel like you're being tread on today and beat down today. And like your world is upside down is I'm about to take you and I'm about to shake away everything in you that doesn't look useful to God that I can't do anything with and it's holding you back because in the shaking there is shaping I'm doing something in your heart today in Jesus name so I want to say to you today if you're struggling with depression you just keep struggling right on towards God he's shaking something and shaping something in you If you're struggling today with God, where are you at? What are you doing in the world? You just keep right on struggling forward towards God because he's in this shaking. He is shaping something in you. He's calling out something in the church today. I believe it. We're going through the fire right now and he's calling out something today in your heart and my heart. He's building us and moving us to be more like Jesus and less like the world. So God, if that's what it takes, you take and you shake us so you can shape us. Because with permission, there is always purpose. If you're walking through the fire today, 
I want you to know the devil had to ask before he ever put you in it. And God right now in this moment is doing something because he would have never given him permission if there wasn't a purpose. Let's pray.